You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Kumo Majesty 9 Solus TA91. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Straight Fire. With Jason McIntyre. It's me, Jason McIntyre. Thank you for joining me on this lovely Tuesday morning, September 29th. Best bet comes through. Let's get started with that. How about that? Kansas City Chiefs easily cover three and a half. Best bet now 23, 13, and two. Uh, I mentioned it off the top because I knew Rob G would like that. And also because there is no best bet tonight, uh, I'm going to take the night off gambling, maybe spend some time with my family, turn off the television and get off social media as soon as that darn debate starts. But we got to start with sports, and obviously we have to start here. Patrick Mahomes, all I was told, all weekend, basically for the first couple weeks of the NFL season, well, the Ravens are the best team in football, we know that. 14-2 and last year, they got the MVP. The Chiefs, uh, you know, they're good. They got Mahomes, but I don't know. They look shaky against the Chargers. Justin Herbert moved the ball well. And it's like we forget how greatness can easily be turned on and off when you've got a guy like Mahomes and a coach like Reed. They played the Chargers, a divisional foe who started a rookie quarterback who had nobody had any tape on, and they just sprung him on him. And Justin Herbert moved the ball well, and the Chargers were competitive and nearly stole that game. But nobody who watched Chiefs 34, Ravens 20, can look me in the eye today and say, hey, man, the Ravens are still the best team in football. They just, you know, they had an off night. That's just not how it works. That's just not, the Chiefs are in a level above everyone else. The Chiefs are the best team in football. The Ravens... They're a distant second. They're certainly second. No doubt about it. I I don't think you can make a case for anybody else better than them. But the Chiefs are by far, by far, the better team. I can't believe they were an underdog in that game. And, uh, I mean, I don't know where you guys want to start. The the Kansas City Chiefs basically look Marcus Peters, their former cornerback, and Calais Campbell, and Patrick Queen. And, you know, that was a good Ravens defense. Totally shut down the Browns in the opener. And look good in week two. And the Kansas City Chiefs went 3-for-3 in the red zone. 7.1 yards per play. 
517 total yards. 10 for 13 on third down. This was, I mean, this was clinical. They went up 27-10 at halftime. And essentially, you know, the Ravens, they just like toyed around with them in the second half. It was like, oh, you know, we got this game. It's all locked up. And the second half, you know, the Chiefs puttered around and they had a turnover here and uh, turnover on downs there. And it's just like, oh, whatever. And the Ravens got kind of back in it. And all of a sudden, oh, hey, uh, guys, let's just put them away. They're within a touchdown. And they drove down the field. And there was no resistance from Baltimore. And they went up 34-20. And that's a wrap. Like, I, I don't know how anybody can disagree with this analogy that... And the NFL loves this, by the way. Patrick Mahomes is the new Tom Brady. Lamar Jackson is the new Peyton Manning. Now, obviously, Lamar's a different style than Peyton Manning. I mean, they couldn't be bigger polar opposites. Peyton, the quintessential pocket quarterback. Lamar, the modern quarterback. Um, And if you look at the head-to-head, Tom Brady, 11, Peyton Manning, 6. And if you look at the early years, early 2000s, Tom Brady won the first six against Peyton. He had his number. Now, he had Belichick on his side. Obviously, the great Bill Belichick, greatest coach in NFL history. And he always had a better defense. Won the first six. And there was at the time, oh, Peyton Manning can't get over the hump, can't beat Brady. Two of them were playoff games. And um, now Pat Mahomes, three. Lamar Jackson, zero. And at this stage in the game, I think you got to ask some questions about Lamar Jackson and playing from behind. Because, folks, Lamar Jackson passed for 97 yards on Monday Night Football. That's it! He was sacked four times, passed for 97 yards. And the problem, we saw this against the Titans in the playoff loss. If you can get a lead and put Lamar Jackson to play from behind, he really has not, at this stage in his career, displayed the ability to come from behind against a really good team and win the game. I don't know if that's an indictment of his passing game. I mean, 97 yards is... Jeez. Or that they like to set up the pass with the run and you can't really do that uh, when you're in comeback mode. But think about this for a second. (laughs) Baltimore had a kickoff return for a touchdown in the first half. Other than that, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens had nothing. At home, in a big spot that they had circled on the calendar since the schedule came out. I don't think the Chiefs circled this game on the calendar. This was just another game. You're the Super Bowl champions. You know? You had the first game of the season. Oh, yeah, we have, we have the Ravens coming up. Okay. Um, I, 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 this was a game Baltimore needed. I, I'm not off the Baltimore Ravens. Again, I'm going to... Uh, and I know Rob G's going to come in here killing Lamar. Because that's what he does. He loves to go after Jamal Murray. And now he's going to kill Lamar Jackson. I, I I just think the Ravens are a team that in their heads, shucks, man, we can't fall behind. We just can't. And, you know, they listen, they're going to be double-digit favorites against the Washington Football Club. And then they get the Bengals. And they'll probably beat down both of those teams pretty darn good. Then they have the Eagles, another team that is in disarray. And... Folks, Lamar Jackson, eventually they'll get the Steelers at the end of October. Lamar Jackson is now 22-1 in the regular season against everyone except the Chiefs. He's 0-3 against Kansas City. So, the big picture takeaway, Patrick Mahomes is the most exciting player in the NFL. That's undeniable. And I know Lamar Jackson's exciting. But Mahomes is a different level because he can beat you so badly from the pocket. And this is... Uh, I went on the Dan Patrick show. I hosted it, I think, with Rob Parker a few months back in July. And I compared Mahomes to Steph Curry. And I laid it out. And um, a lot of people liked it. Of course, you know, the Curry haters hated it. But think about this. Patrick Mahomes, his father played professional baseball. Steph Curry's father, Del Curry, played in the NBA. Patrick Mahomes was under-recruited in high school. This was not a five-star recruit slam dunk guy. He ended up at Texas Tech. Steph Curry, obviously the story is very famous. Um, His father played at Virginia Tech. He tried to go to Virginia Tech. They said, we'll make you a walk-on. He's like, eh, I'll take a 
free boat from Davidson. So both of them were not highly recruited in high school. And I love this one. If you look at Mahomes, his last year at Texas Tech, they didn't even play in a bowl game. They were ineligible for a bowl game because they didn't win enough games. Steph Curry, of course, missed the NCAA tournament in his final year at Davidson. His second year was the year they made that epic run uh, to the Elite Eight and lost to Kansas. Um, I, I usually watch that um, postseason, that postseason run that Curry made on YouTube, like, I don't know, every six months just because I love it. Um, Patrick Mahomes did not get drafted in the top five. There were questions about Pat Mahomes. I was one of the guys who was like, come on, Big 12, they don't play no defense. He dropped in the draft. Chiefs had to trade up, I believe, to 10. Rob G can check that for us in a sec. Um, you know, fell out of the top five. Curry was not taken in the top five. And don't make me go through that. My favorite story, one of my all-time favorite stories leading up to the NBA draft was the Sacramento Kings had Tyreek Evans work out against Steph Curry and made them play one-on-one. Now, Steph Curry's not a one-on-one guy, and Tyreek Evans murdered him, just killed Curry one-on-one. I mean, and they, uh, you know, the executives, oh, gosh, Tyreek uh, Tyreek Evans, what a superstar. Oh, holy cow, how good is this guy? And, you know, the reality is Steph Curry's a two-time MVP, unanimous MVP. Michael Jordan was not a unanimous MVP. Curry's got four, I've got three or four rings, I forget. Um, But like falling in the draft can be a good thing. It worked for Mahomes, it worked for Curry. And finally, and I know the haters are going to hate this one, but Patrick Mahomes and Steph Curry both interrupted greatness, came out of nowhere. Remember, Tom Brady was supposed to be the guy in New England who was going to win more Super Bowl ti- Super Bowl championships as Peyton Manning retired. Remember, Brady got one, beating the Rams, and boom, out of nowhere comes Patrick Mahomes. Holy cow, he's going to take over the league. And like, I don't think, uh, listen, Brady's going to want another one. You know he wants one in Tampa. But Mahomes has really taken the shine off the end of Brady's career. Patrick Mahomes is a superstar. And as much as I like LeBron, and I think he's going to end up as the greatest player in NBA history with a title this year, Steph Curry really, for about five years there, interrupted LeBron's greatness. Remember, LeBron went back to Cleveland with Kyrie. They were going to wreck the league and didn't totally work out that way as Kevin Durant and Steph Curry went on an incredible run. I, again, Mahomes and Curry, some people are not going to like the matchup. I'm sure some people are going to toss in the, oh, Jason, it's a light-skinned brother thing. Um, but I, I do like it um, between Curry and Mahomes. Now, Rob G wants to come in hot with some Lamar Jackson haterade. He's guzzling that haterade this morning. Uh, Rob G, producer to the stars, your thoughts on Lamar Jackson's 97 passing yards on Monday Night Football. Lamar Jackson is who we thought he was. He is a tremendous talent. He was a well-deserving unanimous MVP. But he is just not an elite quarterback. And when I say that, I don't mean that he's not a good player, he's not an elite player. I mean an elite quarterback. An elite quarterback should be able to bring you back when you're behind. When you say, hey, we're down by 17, we're going to have to score, score quickly, we got to put the ball on your shoulders, on that right arm of yours, and you're going to have to bring us back. Patrick Mahomes is an elite quarterback. He has won his last six games while trailing by at least 10 points. <laughs> that's that's. I think incredible. three in the playoffs, right? Yes, that is a, a NFL quarterback record. So obviously it's a different level to this. But just to give you some idea as to what exactly you're getting from Lamar Jackson, as a passer, especially when they fall behind in games. Since 2018, the Baltimore Ravens are 0-10 when trailing at halftime in any game, including wow. the postseason. Now, all of that's not all on Lamar because he wasn't only he only lost, what is it, five games total as, as a starter. So, you know, it's not all on him, but that's just one thing. Here's another one. In games where the other team scores at least 25 points, which means you're in a little bit of a shootout. Okay. Patrick Mahomes, 7-6, and six, which is, you know, I, I honestly thought it'd be higher, but still very good. 7-6 and six means he's winning a lot of shootouts. Lamar Jackson is 0-5. Ooh. 
So when teams so if he doesn't get so if he doesn't get defense. No, I mean not just defense. If he doesn't get ahead early where he can just their offense can just grind you out and run the ball and kill the clock and that kind of stuff. He he's not built to win with his arm. And I know people are going to say, "Well, he had the highest quarterback rating. He threw at 150 quarterback rating three different times already. It's a record." Watch him play and tell me that he you're worried about him beating you from the pocket. You're not. Well, it's uh, hold on, hold on, Rob G. It's a tough one because he can win from the pocket, but I think coming from behind in the pocket is 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 the real issue because he can he can drop balls into a buckets. I mean, he's a great passer. Yeah, I, no, it's different. Do you think you, he's not a good passer? No, it's different when teams know you have to pass. Yeah, yeah. That's why when teams are when they're behind and they can't just run the ball down your throat, they're not going to win. And that's why, and I, tw- I tweeted this out last night after the game. This game on Monday night was being hailed as Jackson Mahomes. Is this the new Manning Brady? I think even you said it on the podcast. Saying that is so disrespectful to Peyton Manning. <laughs> and I know that he didn't have the greatest postseason career. He's kind of like the Clayton Kershaw of the NFL. But at least when Peyton Manning was in, even if they were down by three scores, you're like, you know what? We got about ten minutes on the clock. Peyton, if he Peyton gets quick a touchdown here, you know we might see something special down down the uh, home stretch. As soon as Lamar is down by ten, you're like, well, they're not going to be able to come back. Not enough time because each drive is going to take eight minutes. They're not going to be able to win in, in big chunk plays when if the defense is expecting him to throw. So until he develops as a quarterback, not as a a Swiss Army knife who can run all over the field and. And, and orchestrate this really unique offense until you can say, hey, we're down by 10. We got to score quick. You're the guy. Until you trust him to do that, they're not going to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. It's why I think as soon as they face the Chiefs in the uh, playoffs, they're going to get smashed. If something happens to the Chiefs and they fall off early and the Ravens make a run of the Super Bowl and they run into Aaron Rodgers, they're going to get smashed. Hmm. They, they, they are not built to win like that. Well, where, where this one really hurts, Rob G, is now they're essentially a game and a half back for the number one seed, right? Because there is no buy for the number two seed this year with seven playoff teams. And I would assume, again, maybe this is an idiotic assumption on my part, that there will be fans in the stadium in the postseason. I don't know. I mean, going to Kansas City is not going to be easy. We know it snows there in January, like every day, basically. Um and and yeah, this is this is this is not good news for the Ravens. I don't think the sky is falling. You you're very much on the pessimistic side for the Ravens. Um, but again, you look at that schedule, Rob G. They're gonna be right there. It'll be a stunner if they're not the number two seed in the AFC. Yeah, I would agree with that. But that you know, they're the Houston Rockets. You know, who cares if you win in the regular season <laughs> at this point? Oh, well, I've already seen what you can do in the regular season. What can you do in the playoffs? And the playoff history says that you get Lamar Jackson. In the postseason, and his team is behind, or they and you can't just run down your throat. Fifty-one percent completion percentage, three touchdowns, three picks, quarterback rating of sixty-eight, two fumbles per game. Numbers never lie, man. <laughs> All right, that puts a bow on Monday Night Football. Rob G's king of the haters. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporty handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of general tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their general tire, test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. 
With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We have a guest coming up later in the show, really smart guy to preview the Major League Baseball postseason, which begins today. Hopefully you're listening to this podcast before the first pitch is thrown. Edward Egros, I've done some television with him, really sharp guy, analytically based. Uh, You want to get smarter, you listen to that. But first... Rob G. and I, 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 Rob G., I know you're going to want to weigh in on this. It was a stunner for me. So I get home from the studio on Monday, Rob, and, you know, I take off the clothes. I'm relaxing. I check in with the old parents because I try to call my parents often uh, during COVID. And I get off my phone, and I was hearing all the beeps coming in, all these I'm like, geez, what is all these texts? And I see the Doc Rivers fired. Slash parted ways, which we know really means fired, by the L.A. Clippers. Now, this to me was a massive shocker because Doc Rivers is well-liked, right? Balmer and him are cozy. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, I mean, according to reports, they wanted to go to the Clippers to play for Doc Rivers, who is a very big player's coach. Um, And I was just, I was stunned. So I checked in with a source who... I got to know out here a little bit in L.A., and if you guys remember, I had this guy on the show, uh, he was a guest, Preston Johnson, early in the podcast, and I had met him out here in L.A., and you know we talked about it, and I told him, listen, I've developed a pretty good Clipper source, and this gentleman told me that um, Lou Williams is going to really struggle in the bubble because he likes to juggle tons of women. That's like what he does. That's his thing out here. He's got a lot of girls, and as soon as the... Lou Williams left the bubble and went to a strip club to get chicken wing story cake. Preston texted me and was like, holy cow, you got a good clipper source. And I remembered, oh yeah, this guy. So I check in with him instantly. What the hell happened to Doc Rivers? Oh man, got ugly at the exit interviews. I guess they did depart the bubble. You know, everybody unwinds and they go in and meet with powers that be. I don't know if they met with Balmer. 
uh, Jerry West, the front office, and apparently people were not happy. And I, I guess it did not go swimmingly in the bubble. And the Doc Rivers is the big news, but the other leg that, again, this is just what I've heard, that Paul George did not get rave reviews from his teammates, and my person would not be shocked if Paul George were shipped out of town and the potential landing spot is the Brooklyn Nets, where he would then team with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, and in exchange, the Clippers would get something along the lines of Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, some sort of second-round draft pick, because we know they don't have any firsts, um, or whatever to balance out the rest of the deal. I'm sure the Clippers would love to get Jared Allen, who had to take a backseat to DeAndre Jordan because DeAndre Jordan's friends with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Uh, I can't imagine the Brooklyn uh, Nets parting with Jared Allen. He's a good young big. We know the Clippers just got humiliated by Jokic in the bubble. Um, but it's not just Paul George. Now, I did tweet this out, and a lot of people freaked out. I got a lot of angry messages from Brooklyn Nets fans. We don't want Paul George. But the interesting thing is here, it's not just Paul George. Like, Montrez Harrell is a free agent. I think he might have cost himself some money in the bubble. He really struggled. We know he had the passing of a relative, and he didn't respond well uh, to the play in the bubble. And it's I guess it's not a lock that he's coming back to the Clippers. Now, I don't know uh, where he might land. We know um, Houston would love a small ball center. Uh, can't go the whole season with Robert Covington. So I don't know where Harrell ends up. Um, maybe he stays with the Clippers at a reduced cost. He has to eat it, but it would be, it is going to be fascinating to monitor the Clippers this off season. Remember Rob, this was an off season where it was basically, oh, Giannis is going to get the Supermax offer and reject it. And then we'll have fun with that. But really nobody else is going to hit the market. Gordon Hayward probably going to stay in Boston, although they might try to move him. Um, and now this Paul George thing could spiral into, um, who knows what? Um, Rob G, any thoughts, first of all, on on this Paul George stuff? And I, I, listen, I don't want any aggregators to freak out and try to put this out there. I'm just saying what I've heard, okay? This is not, I checked in with the Clippers and they denied. I, I'm not doing that stuff, okay? Um, any thoughts, Rob G? Paul George, do you think he returns to the Clippers? Yes, only because I don't think you'll be able to get a haul that helps offset all the picks you gave to get him. I think that's number one. Number two, I'm a little upset that you said this is not for the aggregator because I was in the middle of flagging this as a promo that I was going to push out on social media. <laughs> so you made my job. You, a feel, you bit can tougher. feel free to do that. That's fine. I, I just don't. Li- I know. I know the haters like to come out and, and go after people. Uh, you're, you're reporting this, and, and and like the trade doesn't happen or a different trade happens. You are wrong. Like, I, hey, I'm just telling you guys what I heard. But um, and, and number. I, 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 yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I'll say number three, I think that um, a lot of people, especially in the sports media business, owe a big apology to Stephen A. Smith because he said on that? first takes a few weeks ago that with what he'd been hearing about Paul George, that he was quickly becoming the Dwight Howard of the NBA. Ooh. And by that, he was saying like, look, this guy just doesn't get it. There's something with his personality and his mental makeup that he's just not built for championship level basketball. And a lot of people pushed back on it. They're like, well, I can't you say that about Dwight Howard. Um, You know, Dwight was a clown. You saw what happened in Orlando and then in Houston. And then his track record was much longer. Yeah, Dwight Howard was like, I want to eat Skittles. (laughs) Right. He was a goofball. But then there was a small contingent and a lot of it was, you know, real hoop heads were saying, well, actually, you're being disrespectful to Dwight Howard because Dwight Howard was a much better player than Paul George ever was. So that was one thing I tended to be on that side. So now that we're kind of seeing this come out a little bit more and a little bit more. So Chris Haynes had something. Shams had something. McIntyre has something. So everybody has a little bit to add to this story. And I think you're starting to see uh, Paul George's true colors, man. Well, when you have these huge letdowns, Rob G, um, you can't listen. This was a total embarrassment for the franchise. They got (laughs) they got a three one lead against the Denver Nuggets. And Lakers just dispatched the Nuggets, as Rob G likes to say, hashtag Lakers in five. Like, like it was no no big deal. I mean, dude, dude somebody sent me this, Rob. I, I don't I haven't totally confirmed it. But in the closeout game, LeBron had something like 36, 14, and 10, or whatever it was. In game seven, closeout against the Nuggets. 
Kawhi and Paul George combined for fewer points, rebounds, and assists than LeBron. Now, I, 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 unfortunately, I'm not going to Google that on the internet here, but if that's true, that franchise has some major problems, and I should have taken more of that into consideration. I wonder, if you think, if the Nuggets had pushed the Lakers to seven, does does Doc Rivers maybe not get fired, or was it a, a fait accompli that as soon as they, were, they lost, he's got to go? Because it's embarrassing that the Lakers beat them as soundly as the Clippers lost to them. I think he would have had to go either way. I mean, like I said, I expected as soon as the um, season was over, he was going to stay on because he's so well-liked and because yeah. he seemed to put on a uh, a good face for the league and during the uh, whole uh, boycott situation. But the fact remains, I mean, if they, if they had made it to seven, it, I don't think it really matters because this is a fun stat for you. In his first season as the Lakers head coach, Frank Vogel has three playoff series wins. You know how many playoff series wins Doc Rivers has had in his entire seven years with the Clippers? No way. Is it three? Three. Oh, God. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Now, and and again, as a Lakers fan, I kind of, I'm sad to see him go because he was a terrible coach, as I've told you. I would have loved to see him across the hall. He's killing this guy. you know, we ripped on Paul George. We ripped on Doc Rivers a lot. I think what I'm surprised at still is where is the Kawhi Leonard slander? Well, that, that's a good question, but I know the answer, man. He don't say he's not on social media. He's not stirring the pot. He's not posted up like at a club or vacationing or uh, like LeBron's on Instagram stories every day. There's something for people to comment about LeBron every single day, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Kawhi is a ghost. We haven't heard anything from him. Now, maybe, Rob G, what if this is by design? That he's staying out of the mix because he offed Doc and he's going to get Paul George shipped out of town. And guess what? There's no brush back. If you're not on social media, you're out of it, right? Are you safe? That could be it. But let me just say, speaking of social media, I follow a guy. I don't want to butcher his name, but he's at D-A-M-A-N-R. So I I don't want to butcher his name. But he did a Kawhi Leonard thread. I think you'll appreciate this. This is just some facts about Kawhi Leonard. But again, because he doesn't talk... Nobody ever mentions any of this stuff. Number one, Kawhi ghosted a coaching legend in Greg Popovich, a great organization in the Spurs, to the point where players straight up called him out. That's factual. That is factual, yeah. Number two, demanded a trade from that organization, demanded to be traded to Los Angeles only, thus hurting the organization's ability to get a good return. That's true, number two. Number three, the only finals MVP in history to leave his current team behind instead of trying to repeat. And in the process, so he could get Steve Ballmer to buy him an illegal house and new balance to give him a better shoe deal at the expense of winning. Number four, demanded that an already good team, which the Clippers were, gut its asset base where all the young players and a slew of picks for a short-sighted move to go in for Palmdale, Wesley Johnson. That was kind of mean to say. Oh, but that, that's oh, also true. Hold on. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if the non-LA listeners will know that. So Palmdale is what, like an hour outside LA? Uh, it's like two hours, like an hour and a half. Okay. So that's it's like what... basically not. It's not quite a one-stoplight town, but it's Palmdale's nothing special. And Wesley Johnson. <laughs> that was just mean. So there's there's, there's two oh, more you said real quick. That. There's two more oh, here. Gosh. Wait, top... wait, wait, wait. Wesley Johnson is a former Syracuse stud. Yes. Who I think went third overall in the draft. To the and was out of the league in like four years. Yeah. Right. Okay, so last two. On top of all of this, Kawhi only gave his new team a two-year commitment, forcing the organization to continue to make short-sighted moves, hurting their long-term chances of winning. And finally, in his last year of being the leader of a locker room in the team, his team spectacularly collapsed in historic fashion despite being the overwhelming favorite to win it all and ends with Doc Rivers being fired. Now, if that's any other player, how the hell does he avoid criticism? Okay, so what's this guy's handle again? D? At D-A-M, or D-A-M-A-N-R. I think it's Damon Rangula. Okay. Oh, he's like a radio guy. I I just know him and he puts out good Laker tweets, so that's... that's Wow, that is is a beatdown. Oh, my goodness. Listen, at some point... uh, Here's the thing, though. Kawhi can just duck... The media, he doesn't have to appear in front of the media for anything. You, We won't hear from Kawhi Leonard until, I don't even know when the season's going to start, January? December? Like, he's just going to, he's going to just 
hide out. Now, maybe if I see, well, there used to be UCLA runs in the offseason, but I guess you can't do those now because UCLA is like in session. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, whew, that was good stuff. So we just did a good 10 minutes on the Clippers. Love a little Clipper bashing. And now let's get to our guest. Uh, he's a baseball analytical mind, really sharp individual. And if you want tips on how to bet the Major League Baseball postseason, take a listen to Edward Egros. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Pirelli tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Pirelli test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. All right, let's welcome in to the podcast a new guest. We've never had him on before. 
Edward Egros. Is it Egros or Egros? Egros. Egros. Egros, yes. Got to go with your first instinct there. (laughs) I did a a TV show on the TVG network, the horse racing network, about sports gambling with Ed, uh, I guess two years ago. And, you know, I, I, I excel or I like to think I excel at basketball and football. And they had me do baseball. So I was like, all right, I got I got to bone up on baseball. And they were like, listen, the guy who's coming on to talk baseball is dominant on baseball. I was like, oh, my gosh. So I met Ed and we were doing the show and he's killing it. And uh, I figured to preview the Major League Baseball playoffs, we'd bring in Ed. Ed, you are a, a sports analytic expert and you teach a sports analytics class at SMU. Is that in person or Zoom? Oh, it's, it's all over the place right now. Um, analytics right now is, is largely on Zoom, uh, where all the students chime in, they sign in, and then uh, we basically code together as a class where we open up our programs and make sure the code is, is correct and we're following along. And uh, we're all doing it remotely uh, from pretty much across the country. A lot of people in Dallas, but certainly there's some uh, in other places. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it, it certainly has its challenges in terms of making sure that the internet works. If the power mm-hmm. goes down, then there's not much you can do as far as that's concerned. Uh, but the students have been great, and it's a lot of fun to teach them. So, Ed, let me ask you, when you say code, I think a large segment of the listening population is like, wait, wait, does this guy have a model? Did he build a model? We've only had one other guest on, um, Preston Johnson, who's a.k.a. Sports Cheetah. I don't know if you know him, but yeah. he's, he's a guy with a model, and I have a couple buddies who built a college basketball model. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it explain to the audience like how you built this model, how it came to be, how, and your background, how you got to this spot. Yeah, definitely. So my, my background is is in journalism and television. I've, I've done that for years. And so, you know, certainly uh, the comfort is there about as much as it can be. Uh, but, you know, the thing about data and, and coding and all that stuff is that, you know, the world is more analytical now than ever before. And basically, there's a number and a statistic for just about everything. And so my background has always been, uh, whether it's statistical economics or, or basic stats, whatever it is, I've always been intrigued by what trends we can find within the data. And so with analytics and with free software that you can download online, R, Python, whatever you want, you can download data, put it in your software, and then uncover trends in a variety of ways. Sometimes it can be simple things like just finding the straight line that best represents the points uh, to far more complex things like machine learning, black box methods, whatever they might be. And what's cool about this is that you can actually uncover what trends are and then use whatever data you have to predict what you think is going to happen. And that's basically what analytics and gambling is all about, is finding the trends, finding the regressions, finding the models that you come up with based upon past data, based upon history, and then projecting what is going to happen using that current model. And so when it comes to, say, baseball here, you can look at models that have worked in years past in terms of the best statistics, uh, the most telling analytics in terms of pitching and hitting and defense, things like that, and then use those numbers, weight them appropriately, and then come up with your prediction based upon what we saw in the regular season this year. I love this. And I, it, it does, I'm sure there's going to be people who are like, man, that's too much work. <laughs> um, but I'm telling Ed, you know that you're at the forefront of this. And basically, as states realize, holy cow, COVID put us in a bad spot. We need to generate money. Gambling is going to be legal in probably all 50 states within the next decade. That's my guess. Is that reasonable, Ed? I think it's absolutely reasonable. Yeah. And I think there, there's a real appetite for it. In fact, during the early stages of this pandemic, I can't remember where the article was from, maybe the New York Times, but a lot of sports gamblers actually went to the stock market. They were not investors at all. But they still had the itch to gamble on something. So they started doing all of this research on various stocks and businesses that they knew absolutely nothing about. But they looked at the data and figured out the best ways to invest. I mean, you can invest money uh, in the stock market far more easily now than you ever could. And I think because that itch and appetite is there by so many people, I I think it's only going to be a matter of time, maybe even less than 10 years, Mm. where gambling is pretty much legal pretty much everywhere. And you're also seeing it in states that are relatively conservative. Uh, states like West Virginia, they have sports books now. I know yeah. Mississippi has been really big 
on getting gambling going in terms of revenue for the state and things like that. So the fact that it's happening in different places, it's not necessarily a regional thing. It's happening you know, here and there, sort of a hodgepodge. I think that means that gambling will be even faster than perhaps we're all anticipating. Yeah. And, and in baseball, where you know data has ruled, I would say it got it, it ruled before the NFL got heavy into data and the NBA, you know, the three-point revolution happened. But you got to go back to Billy Bean and the sabermetric guys. Probably about two decades ago, baseball was at the forefront. So, Ed, I'm assuming that you've got a ton of, of data here that you want to unload heading into the Major League Baseball playoffs where you can help us find some winners. I'm actually going to do a first, Ed. I do a best bet every night on the podcast, and I've been hitting at a pretty darn good clip thanks to I, the Chiefs covering. Uh, I, I know, and you, you've another. said this a few times now. <laughs> yes, I, I like to brag about it. I'm sorry. Um, but I, I, I got nothing on baseball. I haven't paid as much attention to it. And Ed, I got to be honest, this like regional bubble setup, the 16 teams, this is a unique postseason. I, I want to get in your head to find out how you are approaching uh, this opening round of the baseball playoffs. So I look at it in a couple of ways. Number one, there was a time when, yes, the Major League Baseball postseason is an absolute crapshoot. You see random teams that have no business winning the World Series being there at the end of October. Uh, teams that were slightly above 500 in the regular season just getting hot and then winning the whole thing. So, yes, it, it can be a bit of a crapshoot. And what makes matters worse is that you have three-game series mm. to start out the postseason just so we can get done by the end of October. And I think that is going to make things a little bit more volatile. Mm. I, I think it perhaps puts your favorites like the Dodgers and the Yankees uh, in greater peril just because, I mean, how many times do the best teams in baseball lose a three-game series? It happens <laughs> yeah. all the time. It's not like a five- or seven-game series where you, you rely on pitching, you rely on hitting. Something is going to pull through to where you trust what will happen in a longer series. So, yeah, I, I don't think any one team is necessarily should be uh, an overwhelming favorite. But at the same time, what also makes this interesting is that I've never bought into, say, home field advantage in baseball in the slightest. It's not like, say, basketball where, yeah, communication may be affected in football – you may have inherent referee bias that favors the home team. In baseball, you really don't have any of that. And I think it's, it's just further exacerbated that, yes, the regional bubbles, okay, home teams may get that, but then you're going to neutral sites anyway. I almost view baseball as being neutral sighted games, so to speak. So there's some things that I think matter, but other things that may very well be over-exaggerated. Okay, so let's start with the regional site idea, okay? Um one, I, I don't think many people assume the Padres would be in the postseason. Here we are, Padres in the postseason. Do they have an edge since the bubble? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, they're going to be sleeping in their own houses, whereas other teams, uh, the Cardinals, are not. I, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, I like the Padres for other reasons. I, I think certainly they're, they're more than capable of winning this whole thing. Um, you know, especially because of the youth that they have uh, on this team. Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, top 2% in baseball and barrel percentage, top 1% in, in exit below. Uh, Will Myers, great expected slugging percentage. Drake Cronenworth is outstanding. There are a lot of guys on this team that I really do like with this ball club. The fact that they're sleeping in their own beds for the first little bit and then maybe they, they don't have to travel as far right. uh, compared with, say, other teams. I, I don't buy that too much in terms of this process because I think everybody is sort of dealing with it themselves. And certainly you've seen players and teams in the past, not just in baseball but in other sports, where being at home can be a disadvantage because you have more distractions, more things you have to worry about. Sometimes it's that sort of inherent leadership that says, okay, block out all of your – other mm -hmm. tasks, block out all of your commitments, and just focus on this one thing you have to do, which is win this baseball game. Sometimes it's better to be far away for that. Yeah. Uh, how about the pitching? Do you Would you give an advantage to teams who had an edge in the bullpen, given the no days off uh, three-game series, or the starting pitching uh, in a short series like this where uh, I would assume uh, you know Shane Bieber is going to open things for the Indians and you're, you're not just going to use him once and that's going to be it. He's probably going to be eligible if there is a game three. How, any idea how that will work here? Well, in general, for postseasons, not this one necessarily, but in seasons past, 
I tend to weigh bullpen war, bullpen ERA a little bit more than I do, say, in the regular season. It's one of the reasons why last year I loved the Tampa Bay Rays. That bullpen was absolutely mm-hmm. unbelievable, and it's still good this year. And normally I look at that and go, okay, that'll probably mean a little bit more down the stretch. But what makes this interesting this year is that, yes, you have these three-game series, and certainly pitching matters no, no matter the situation. I look at the division series the next round as being what's really critical in terms of bullpen play because you have five games in the same place and there are no days off. There are no travel days, no rest days, nothing like that. And so whomever starts game one of this series will probably start game five on short rest if that series goes to five games. So to me, I look at this and go, what matters here? Bullpen matters, but then also your hitters, if they can – basically work other pitchers as it were so Mm. can you work counts can you get deep into counts with your opposing pitching so to me yeah bullpen matters but it's hitters who can force a pitcher to throw additional pitches and then you get deeper into those bullpens and then really test a manager's ability to figure out who's available who's not available who can handle righty lefty matchups i think those are the teams that i think are going to have a bit uh, a, a greater advantage here. Okay, before we get to actionable picks, uh, we got some teams who have not been here in a while. Padres, White Sox. I mean, the Marlins in their first postseason since two two thousand and three. Um, Ed, I don't. Ha- there really isn't a quantifiable angle here, but does experience, which is very generic, does that matter at all to you here? I think experience matters only in so far as if you, let's say, you know, spin the roulette wheel enough times <laughs> and you're trying to get just the one number right, well, what's the best way to guarantee that you'll get that one number right? By spinning it more often. So I look at certain teams like, say, the Atlanta Braves. They're, they're making the postseason. They're getting there enough times. They're winning the division. And it's not necessarily the experience of that because this is unusual having a three-game series and then a five-game series. I I don't know if experience is going to matter there. It's it's a little bit ambiguous to me. But the fact that you're just getting there enough times, like the Nationals last year, they were getting to the postseason. They just couldn't string it all together, and then all of a sudden they did. I wouldn't be surprised if the winner this year is someone who is constantly making the postseason, Mm. not getting all the way, but then ultimately they do. So let's start with one of those teams. How about in the National League, the number one seed, the Dodgers? Uh, You know, as a new guy out here in L.A. for four years, I will say, I mean, Dodgers fans are just on edge all the time (laughs) as soon as October hits, waiting for the postseason meltdown. Ed, is, I mean, is this the year the Dodgers break through? I mean, they are heavy favorites here. They are heavy favorites. And like I said before, I I am nervous about heavy favorites in general because a three-game series naturally makes the entire process a little bit more volatile. However, if you look at some advanced models in terms of putting a probability on the Dodgers' chances of winning the World Series, it's about a one in three. I think think that's about the, the consensus as far as that's concerned. And if you look at, say, odds, like implied probability, it's, it's more like a 22% chance. And so there's actually value in going chalk here, taking the Dodgers. And then you look at the hitting and actually break down uh, you know, the roster itself. And there are a lot of things to like. Will Smith, Corey Seager, Mookie Betts, all of these guys had weighted runs created plus of 130 or better. Exit velo, hard hit percentage, all of these guys are good one through nine. And I understand having a lot of division pennants without much else to show for it. But again, you make it enough times, and eventually you break through. I mean, there's a reason why Dodgers fans were so upset about the Astros controversy involving trash cans, because they know, (laughs) boy, it wouldn't take that much just to get over the hump. And this is just another example of that. Yes, there are other good teams that could very very well win the World Series, but you you get there enough times. The starting pitching is obviously dominant for L.A., and I, I don't see a problem going chalk here. Um, so, so you, I mean, I'm assuming you have any future plays on the Dodgers or if not the Dodgers, give me a sleeper here. Someone who you think the numbers say may have a chance to break through and make a run. So I've got two teams here in particular. They're actually both out of the national league that I think can make a run. One is sort of a middle dog and that I have an enormous dog. So I'll start with my middle one and that would be the Atlanta Braves. Mm. So what I did was I looked at expected batting average. Uh, this year and the last few years. And I don't want to go too far back because I think the data is, is not as, as clean as perhaps it should be. But 
in terms of measuring exit velo and launch angle and runner speed, uh, the data should be pretty sound by this point. So I look at expected batting average among all teams over the last few years. And the winner of the World Series and usually the World Series participants are in the top five as far as that's concerned. That's what we saw last year with the Astros and the Nationals. They were in the top five in terms of expecting bat batting average. So the four teams that are in the top four in this stat, Padres, Dodgers, Braves, and Yankees. And in terms mm. of the biggest payout, that belongs to Atlanta. Ronald Acuna, he's amazing. Austin Riley in a short series, you know, the, the injury may be a bit of a concern there, but uh, Max Fried, the starting pitcher, is absolutely outstanding. Ian Anderson, young, but a powerful strikeout monster. Bullpen ranks ninth in fan graphs war. It's not great in terms of strikeout numbers, but they will limit any damage. Uh, Freddie Freeman, solid ISO hitting numbers. Great plate discipline as well. Uh, Marcelo Zuna, Dansby Swanson, high offensive wars. There are a lot of guys to like here, and they're getting to the postseason enough times to where maybe this is finally the time they break through. Okay. So, Braves, now you didn't mention the Rays, the number one seed in the AL. Um, does your model not like them? In terms of relief pitching, they're great, no doubt about it. Okay. And I think if I'm looking at just basic probability of winning the World Series, yeah, I think the, the Rays should be up there, and, you know, for all the reasons that I've mentioned uh, in, in terms of pitching, starting, and relief pitching. The problem with me and the Rays, part of it is payout because I, I think Vegas is telling us that the Rays should be a, a rather significant favorite. And my overall probability is perhaps a little bit lower than, say, what the payout is going to be. So because of that, I'm not a big fan. Also, too, when you look at expect, expected batting average, the stat I referenced earlier, they were second worst in baseball, even though WRC Plus was near the top of the American League because of guys like Brandon Lowe, Kevin Kiermeyer, and Willie Adams. This may be an offense that falls back down to reality because of the raw power that maybe they don't exhibit as much as you would like. Uh, even though their overall offense certainly did well in terms of basic box score numbers, I just don't think the offense is, is good enough for me to feel comfortable about them making a run. So is there any value in, say, taking the Blue Jays to shock them in the first round? I mean, if they get game one, uh, you know, instantly, like you said, this short series, who knows what can happen? Um, any chance the Blue Jays pull that offer? I, the Blue Jays have been pretty good in terms of Forcing pitchers to throw more pitches, I think that is certainly an advantage there. But other than that, I, I still feel like the Rays can win that first series because, again, the bullpen is so deep, so many arms they can utilize to, to sort of keep the, the Blue Jays uh, on their heels, so to speak. But at the same time, after that, I have some real concerns about the Rays doing much more. Uh, if you had to find best value in a World Series matchup, are there two teams that you think um... – I mean, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of people want to see Yankees-Dodgers, uh, but the reality is, I, I don't know. I've, I've, I talked to someone today, they like the A's a lot to come out of the AL. Um, is there a matchup that you think you can see happening? Well, let me that you would bet on? Certainly. Well, I, there, let me say one thing about the A's, though, in, in terms of why I'm a little bit bearish about them. Mm. And I, I know we've we've witnessed this sort of 60-game schedule and wondered, okay, how representative of a 60-game schedule is what we witnessed in terms of overall talent. And to me, I think we have enough information to know who's good and not, and not as good. I know 162 games would help in terms of having more data, more games, more things to look at. But if you look at the history of baseball, those first 60 games of any season – is usually pretty representative of what we will see at the end of the regular season. So if you performed well in this year, then chances are you are a pretty darn good baseball team. So that's one thing. The other thing, too, though, is when you look at the worst divisions in all of baseball, it is clearly the American League West. I know the Central was probably the team that the, the division that I thought would be the worst coming in because of the Tigers, because of the Royals. But when you look at run differential, seven of the worst teams or, or three of the seven worst teams in baseball in terms of run differential were in the American League West, the Rangers, the Mariners, and the Angels. Why is this important? Well, it certainly inflates the overall numbers and abilities of the A's, of the Astros, and in all seriousness, because the AL West played the NL West, it could exaggerate the numbers for the Dodgers and the Padres as well. And so when I look at the A's, 
you know, past postseason experience doesn't matter to me as much for them. But I do think those overall numbers that we may look at are a little bit exaggerated because I think strength of schedule matters, matters just a little bit more here. All right. So the listener says, hmm, I want to throw some pizza money on one uh, baseball team to win the World Series. And I really want to put it on the Padres. And, you know, I put 50, well, $50 maybe is a little bit expensive of a pizza, but 50 bucks on the Padres. I love your pizza. Or, if it's 50. or 50, 50 bucks on the, well, listen, LA prices, I mean, two extra large is like 40 bucks with a tip 50. Um, Indians. Can you buy the Astros? G- give me, give me an actionable long shot ish to uh, to win the World Series. So my my biggest dog that I absolutely love is one team you have not mentioned. It's the Cincinnati Reds. Mm. I am crazy about the Reds. I'm Trevor Bauer twenty four hundred plus twenty four hundred. Okay, plus twenty four hundred. Trevor Bauer, Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo. It constituted the best starting pitching war in all of baseball. Four of the five teams in the National League Central made the postseason. That was a gauntlet that they went through, and they did very well and looked more than respectable as far as that's concerned. Uh, Relievers look to be good. Uh, Razel Iglesias' swinging strike rate close to 19%. Archie Bradley has a fit below 3.4. Something uh, Fangraphs brought up that's important, like I mentioned, Game 1 starter will probably have to pitch on short rest for that Game 5. Lineups that can work pitchers could be a little bit more important. And hitting, like I mentioned before, if you can find a bunch of hitters who can really work pitchers, force them to throw more pitches, exhaust that bullpen a little bit sooner than the opposition would like, then you really have something. And there are a few lineups that can do that better than what the Reds have. Nick Castellanos, Joey Votto, uh, Shogo Akiyama, Mike Moustakas, they can do those things. The Reds did a lot of good stuff in the offseason to put themselves in this win-now mode, and it could very well work out in short order. Love it, Ed. I will be do- putting some money on the Reds to <laughs> to win the World Series uh, this morning, certainly. Uh, all right, you can follow Ed on Twitter, at Ed with Sports. Ed, you may be besieged by questions about building a model. I- I'm telling you, like this is where the action's at. I mean, it's going to certainly be here. I don't know if I'm smart enough to build a model, but I definitely have been doing some uh, practicing coding with my uh, my fourth grade kid, and um, a little I'm learning scraping and fun stuff <laughs> like that. So I could build a website, but building a model, Ed, that's next level. I don't quite think I'm there yet. Oh, don't you worry, don't you worry. As as the professor in this duo, <laughs> don't don't you worry in terms of uh, you know making sure you can get it done. Not to mention too, isn't it amazing how much younger and younger oh. kids are are be- becoming in terms of the ability to code design websites, design apps, all that stuff. I mean, it's amazing that like in college, if you could do these things, you were quite brilliant. Now you need to be in fourth grade, third grade, yeah. just to get started to make sure you can stay Dude. competitive. I mean, I'm, I'm also old. The internet wasn't even around when I was in elementary school. Uh, you're mm-hmm. obviously a little younger, Ed. But all right, Ed, great stuff. Thanks a lot. Hopefully the uh, listeners can win some money based on your baseball picks and uh, enjoy the postseason. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 